It's Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. So we are here today with the Gwen family, Kevin and Ansley, and we are here just to hear a little bit more about their story of adoption from India and their adoption story to get little Caleb, who, as we have talked about even a couple of weeks ago, was a little boy that was on the brink of uh, losing his life in India before we saw God intervene in some really miraculous ways. And what's awesome is today as we record this podcast, we're not just here with Kevin and Ansley, but we're also here with Caleb. And we also have the great opportunity to have Morgan Turch here, who is our India program manager, and she helps families navigate the process of India adoption. And she and her husband, Jeff, were actually in India, met Caleb, uh, and, and started to learn of his conditions. So Morgan, kind of start off this story because this isn't the normal Indian adoption story, right? This has a little bit of a different twist. So take us through just the the part before the Gwens actually traveled to get Caleb. Yeah. So my husband, Jeffrey, and I had actually traveled to India with our very first India pilot family with Lifeline. And while we were there, we got to see that family experience their gotcha day, and they traveled home. And about that time, Jeffrey and I actually traveled to Nepal on a more personal trip. And while we were there, uh, I got a phone call after having visited um, Caleb's orphanage in Delhi. We spent time with him. He was doing great. Um, He was sitting up, walking, babbling, laughing. We got some great videos and got to meet with the orphanage director there. And had no clue that anything possibly could go wrong. And as we left, my husband and I went to Nepal. Um, About three or four days later, we got an email from the orphanage director, and she basically just said that Caleb was in a really um, critical state medically, that he was not doing well. And by the tone of her email, we weren't sure how long he was going to make it. And so I immediately call our international director and our um, India program director and just shared the situation. And of course, we all agreed we have to call the Gwen family right away. And so I got on the phone, called uh, Kevin and Ansley, and with just tears streaming down my cheeks, shared the news with them that their son was not doing well and just the honesty of what was going on, that we there was a lot of questions, we, there was a lot of things we didn't know, but I shared with them everything we did know about how he was doing. and so. When I shared that information with them, the family, um, Ansley and Kevin, they just immediately responded without hesitation and just said, how quickly can we get to him? How quickly can we travel to be there? And um, I, in all honesty, I wasn't sure how they would respond. I didn't know if they would have questions of how bad is it? Can we still move forward with the adoption? Are we equipped to parent a child with whatever needs may arise from this situation? But to hear their hearts of, steadfastness and faithfulness of just not wavering at all and just saying we are committed to this child this is our son um and that was their language so i they were like we want to go to india tomorrow if we can so i ended up calling the orphanage director and just explained the situation and said you know as long as it's not going to hinder their adoption journey or their adoption process we want them to be able to travel and she was shocked. She thought that the family would not want to adopt him anymore after hearing this news and I explained no like this is their son they want to be with him and 
So immediately we just started coordinating their travel plans and within a couple of days, the family was on a plane to India. Wow, and so really even when you look at that, Morgan, so many things had to happen for the Lord to intervene, for them to be able to get on that plane, to get the visa, and ultimately, right, as we're soon gonna learn, to get the adoption decree. So, but first, you know, Ansley and and Kevin, talk to us as a, a mama's heart and a daddy's heart. You get this call from Morgan, and it's probably not the call you expected. Uh, you were still, uh, what, almost a year from being able to travel to get Caleb. And all of a sudden you hear he's sick. And not only is he sick, uh, he's on life support. Just what does that do to a mama and daddy's heart? And just talk to us a little bit about the emotions that are going through your minds and your hearts as you hear this news. I know. I mean, first we were just initially, it's just kind of, we were in a daze, you know, just that kind of news, just. I don't know how you're supposed to just process that immediately, but um, I mean, we we've been matched with this with this little boy for about seven months. So, I mean, there was no doubt in our hearts that that he was our son, mm-hmm. and and that we wanted to get to India and and bring him home. Um, and uh, I mean, we immediately we we were actually um, uh, staying with Ansley's parents at the time, mm-hmm. so they were able to come and kind of talk with us and um, and pray with us. And we got calls from other Lifeline employees and um, wanting to uh, talk to people at our church. They happened to go to the same church we did. And, um, you know, we immediately said, yes, please tell everyone we need all the prayer support we can get for this right now. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that was, I mean, the first thought, it was, it was never a thought of, you know, oh, well, how can we get out of this? Or, um, you know, what does this change about anything? It was just the only thing it changed was, can we get there now? Hmm. Um, we needed we needed to be with our son. And it felt like this he was sick. We needed to be there. And there was, like, no doubt that we had to get to him as fast as possible. Um, <sighs> I mean, that call, that was the worst, one of the worst nights of my life. Um, we knew, you know, God clearly orchestrated our journey to this child. I mean, there were so many, God's hands were all over our process to that point. And he affirmed over and over that we were supposed to be adopted from India. This was our son. And mm-hmm. so I, I thought then, and I thought later on when we got to India, when things looked hard and harder, um, that God, why would you bring us here for this? Like you brought us here. I know we're the, you're the reason we're here and why, why would you bring us here to just watch this baby that we love die? And so that was something we grappled with. And all that night, we we didn't know what was going on. I mean, we had really di- like very, um, we had brain infection on a ventilator. And I, I have a medical background and that just terrified me. It just, my heart just stopped when I heard those words. And you know, we were, at the, that same day, we actually had a court date. And so when Morgan called, I, my first thought when she said there was bad news, was like, oh, it's something, there's something with the court. We've had all these delays in court. And um, this just wasn't what I was expecting at all. I never expected this to, ha- to happen, of course. And um, so all that night, we were uh, just a fitful night's sleep. We were trying to try to track down a doctor that can go and get some more information. And it was just, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? Calling people and messaging people and I mean, I was doing whatever I could possibly do to try to find more information. And um, about five in the morning, we got a call um, from another Lifeline family. Um, they were actually in India picking up their daughter. And when she found out, this same 
couple is actually in our uh, small group at church, and they were the reason we're with Lifelines India program. Um, and they, she took it upon herself, along with the um, facilitator for Lifeline in India, to travel to her orphanage and then to the hospital and pretend to be me, essentially, to get the information at the hospital she needed about what was going on with our son. And at that point, she was able to tell me he was stable. Um, he was in a good hospital. His doctors were right there. They were very attentive. He was getting good care. And so even at that point, even though we didn't, we didn't have complete peace that everything was okay, we knew at least he was stable. He was alive. Um, he was getting the best care he could get in India. Um, and so that was huge for us. Um, I mean, obviously, there's like no, there's no precedent for that kind of coincidence. I mean, God orchestrated that and just put it on her heart to give my heart more peace. And at that point, we were actually able to go to sleep and sleep a little bit and rest and have peace enough, you know, so we weren't in complete turmoil of what was happening for the few days it took us to get all the pieces together to travel. Um, So as we think through, right, this call, this anxiousness, we've seen God do so many things and orchestrate so many things in the time from that call and the time you're on a plane on your way to India. And it's just amazing to see what God has done. But I think the recipe for a miracle, right, is our desperateness and it's also our activity. So we can't, you know, whenever you look through the Word of God, you don't see God providing miracles to folks that weren't coming towards Jesus. So in a lot of ways, you know, one of the things that has just impressed me about your family is that when you got this news, you didn't just shrink back, but you said, let's, let's expect a miracle. And I even had the opportunity to see your small group leader. And one of the things that she told me was, I knew the moment I heard about this story that the Gwens would get to India and do whatever they could to rescue this little boy. And so talk a little bit about just getting to India, what that month was like. You were in India for a month. You know, Caleb is fighting for his life in the hospital. Talk about some of the things you saw, the high, the high moments, the low moments, and maybe just some of the emotions, too, that were going through your mind as this was going on. Yeah, so, I mean, that uh, it took um, a, a few days, but, I mean, we got the call on a Monday night, and we were on a plane by that Friday um, to get to India. Um, we got a visa turned around in less than 24 hours. Um, they, uh, originally said it would take up to 72 hours. Um, and I think really the biggest thing we were waiting on was just clarification that it wouldn't affect our process at all because we didn't want to go there and then just have some sort of mix up and um, have them uh, delay our process because we were, we were physically there. Um, but... Um, I don't even know where to start for all the all the, the miracles we saw in just that that month in in India. I mean, it was it was a, a it was a, a hard time. There were um, there were multiple days when um, when when Caleb had setbacks. I feel like we would have a couple of days where kind of he's doing a little better, a little better, and then he would take three steps back. And um, uh, when we got there, he was on uh, assisted breathing, um, a CPAP machine, um, and appeared to be getting better. Um, and then I think it was the next day um, he had to go back on the ventilator, um, which obviously that was a hard day. 
and then he was you know, getting better uh, for a couple of days, and then another infection hit. And um, I think um, some some communication issues uh, made things um, more difficult. Um, uh, they speak a lot of them speak English in, in India, but it's not their primary language. So um, the doctor spoke pretty good English, um, but uh, a lot of the other employees at the hospital didn't. So it was just hard to, to, to know exactly what was going on, um, if, um, if what they were saying was really what they meant, if it was a cultural thing. They tended to be kind of pessimistic about the outlook for him. So we didn't know if that if it was really that bad or if they just culturally tend to be pessimistic in medical diagnoses. So um, it was just that made things a lot more difficult to navigate, just really not knowing and not being sure of, um, of his exact status. Um, so uh, eventually they had to um, he, he wasn't coming off the ventilator um, normally, so they had to p perform a, a tracheostomy um, to to get him off the, off the ventilator, um, which he, he did well with that. And within like, less than a week of that, um, we were able to um, we were able to take him from the hospital. Do you have anything more you want to say? Um, just. <laughs> The, it was just not the not the gotcha day we expected. Um, the first time we saw our son, uh, he was in, um, and I said, well, the PICU, pediatric intensive care unit, um, laying in a hospital bed with tubes coming out of his neck and eyes um, hooked up to his chest and um, on a CPAP machine. So his breathing was really exaggerated and he was sedated. So, um, you know, for the first I don't know, two weeks, he didn't, we didn't see him open his eyes, you know, he was kept on sedation and um, the communication thing it was huge. Um, I think the biggest thing there was just, we were going through so much and though we had the support of people through phone calls and texts and so many people were praying and supporting us and we felt that, but we needed, we needed like tangible support and not only were we not getting that, is we were actually getting like the opposite of that. We felt like just getting to him in the hospital every day, there were like three sets of guards we had to get through and they all had to know our situation. And, you know, by the end they were like asking about Caleb and, you know, we're very friendly, but initially they didn't understand like why we were there and what we were doing. And um, it was just very difficult to just feel like we were kind of, not only were we not being cared for, we were like almost like being like, anti-cared for. I mean, we just, it was just always something we just never knew what was going on or what they would only want one of us at the bedside. And I, we even had to like fight to get that for one of us to sit with him and, um, and just, you would get kicked out of the room and we just, you know, you weren't sure why. Was it because they needed to do a procedure or were they tired of us or was there something serious wrong? It was just, you never quite understood we never felt like we fully could understand or ask questions and that was just huge you know your child is sick and you should be able to understand what's going on and uh it's just mentally exhausting you know to already be in such a state and then to have that um i think one thing to really emphasize though is that our orphanage was incredible um they had a couple people from the orphanage would visit him every day in the hospital and pray over him. I mean, we we were there every day, most of the day, and they would come by and um, and they they loved him. I mean, they loved this child. And um, Jolly, um, 
the orphanage, um, she, the orphanage director, um, she was just incredible. Um, she fought for us and she fought to get the written orders that we needed. Uh, there were so many things that could have delayed us getting home after he was out of the hospital. And she got the written orders. Then she got his passport, which was huge. We had, we went with her and gave a little more weight to the need for it. But we got a passport in three or four days. It could have taken months or more to get the appointment and to get the passport. So um, that, that was huge. And their support really was like the the one really high like light and just having believing people from all to, to, to feel the weight of that, that they were like believers in another part of the world that were like the hands and feet of Jesus caring for our son and till we could take t- take care of him and that they were holding us up as well. I mean, they really, I mean, I got to meet the, the woman that brought him home from the hospital um, and she just was telling me what it felt like to hold him in her hands for the first time and just this warm, like loving woman that I you know got to meet and know that my son has been in their care since he was born and just that was just incredible and to get to know them on a more personal basis I mean we still are sending updates and pictures and um, they ask about him you know it's just that's a special relationship that we wouldn't have had otherwise that we're really thankful for so um, so we can move into what it felt like to take him home (laughs) Um, that was huge it was a different type of hard um we had about an hour and a half of where we were like yay we're home as a family you know we're away from the hospital and then i realized this he's going to require a lot more care than i expected so he had the trachea tube and that requires significant care and then he had um, a nasogastric tube for feedings because he wasn't eating orally so that was also every two hours we had to feed him um you know we were Every, each, from, from the time we took him home, we got about two hours, an hour to two hours of sleep a night. And we were also trying to get to all the appointments we had to get to to finalize the adoption. So, um, uh, babe, you can talk a little bit more <laughs> on that and I'll fill in. Yeah, but. Um, sure, but we, we really saw, um, I mean, God used several situations to compress our timeline. Um, I mean, it, in that last week in particular, I mean, really through the whole thing, um, but when we when we took him home from the hospital, um, we were looking at flying out on a Saturday, I think, and um, and we were able to to move some things up, and um, we got some help with some from some people who were able to move things around, and uh, we ended up flying out late Wednesday night. Um, so we were just able to, to combine a couple appointments. And that and, was uh, huge because he was very critical. Yeah. And I felt just a huge urgency that he must get home to the U.S. Like if the care he was receiving was was good in India, but um, we didn't feel like we had the resources and the emergency of care. And, the, and we were what we were sent home with was very lacking in the ability to care for him at home. So we felt like it was vital to his safety that we get home as soon as possible. And so we fought <laughs> for to get every to get everything like to to get everything organized in a way that we could move our process and the last piece of the process along as quickly as possible. And so there we are, right? And so we're gonna 
we're going to pick this up tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. And what a what a great place to end, right? That here we are, you're fighting to get your son out of the hospital, to get him back to the United States. And it really reminds us of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ goes before us to fight for us, that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us, while we are sick and needy, and where we need uh, help and intervention, he intervenes for us. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow as we hear the rest of the Gwen story for the Defender Podcast.